got friends, only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I've been reading all the war. And I've been shutting out the stars. Yeah, cause when it rain, then it pours. Yeah, and I'm ready for some more. Yeah. Coffee down. I'm Dooner here in sunny Chattanooga and uh, coming in from what? Sunny California. It's Kevin Hill. What's up, Kevin? Not much. Sunny California down here in Palm Springs. Uh, I'll be in, back in the studio next week. I can't wait. Okay. Uh, like, right, you had to do that. You had to do that right before they change your residential address to being fully California. You've been out there a while, man. I, I know, right? I, I, I want to escape the California taxes. I, I don't think I want to be a, a resident and have to pay these these lofty taxes out here. But I, I've, I've been out here for uh, three weeks, I think. So we got to add before we move on, you know, that begs the question. How's the sister doing? How's her wheel? She's doing good. She's just getting around much better. We're going to test out, get, get her in the car, get her driving around a little bit uh, before I leave here. But she's she's getting around. She's getting around too well, probably. She'll probably fall and hurt herself again. Yeah. Hey, no, no, what actually just came in the mail? Let me show something off if I can find it. Here it is. All right. Yeah, Kevin Hill. They're not put that coffee down shirts yet, but they are. Uh, what the truck shirts? What the truck? Yeah. Coming to us. Uh, Swag.freightwaves.com. They just dropped in the doorstep. So I imagine they'll be in the swag store. I don't know. Any day now. Yeah. There's a sharp looking, nice rebrand that you did a few months ago. And now we got we have merchandise in stock. Yeah, beautiful stuff. Hey, Rond is here. She says, hi, guys. Let's effing go. Uh, and they're all on it. They said, how's the sister? Well, Kevin already answered that. Um, Kevin, in good marketing, I've had an earworm stuck in, uh, in my head ever since football season started, and Rakuten started doing these Rocket Man commercials. Have you caught these ones? I had not until you sent that over to me yesterday, and I love it. It's a great commercial, great song. Uh, it has all the elements of, of stickiness. One of the reasons why I keyed in on too is Rakuten has one of those names that, you know, if you just look on it, look at it on a sheet, it's hard to pronounce it. They've, they've even played into that. They have ads on YouTube. They used to do an ad campaign where they had a, uh, like a computer terminal in New York and they'd have people come up and try and pronounce Rakuten. And, and that was just their ad, people messing up how to say it, but it really uh, drilled home how to deliver it. And, you know, a lot of times you might have a company with a tough name, but maybe don't shy away from it so much. Maybe just lean into what everyone already uh, experiences. And it might be a challenge for some people to read Rakuten. Yeah, you know, if you have a challenging name, you have to, to embrace it. You have to, to own it. And that's exactly what they did, especially with this new ad. I mean, if it rhymes or sounds very much like Rocket Man, you got to get Elton John in and, and do a commercial. Absolutely. Hey, uh, here's a little bit of a sales hot tip from you. This is one I caught. And I think we've all been in this situation, right? You call up, you're making a cold call to somebody and they say to you, how did you get my information? And I think for a lot of us, especially the first time hearing it, it tends to lock us up. So Kevin, before I jump into the tip that I have here on the sheet, what do you usually do when someone says, hey, how did you even get my number? I, you know what? I, I go through, I, I'm very honest about it. I mean, it's my job. My, my job is to, to find out who you are and, and to reach out to you. I mean, I, and I'm always surprised at the surprise, you know, people who are surprised, you know, how do you get my information? Well, you're in business. I mean, number one, you're on LinkedIn, you're on this, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that surprising that, that the salesperson's gotten your information and it's given you a call. 
Yeah, I mean that's not, and that's what I the mean, advice here. Instead of just <laughs> instead of just lying and saying like if you didn't run into their friend, don't make that up, or if you didn't run into acquaintance, don't make that up. If you did, fine, use that. But otherwise, just mm-hmm. say the truth. You got it off LinkedIn. You got it off Zoom info. I mean, if you flat out guessed their email, say hey, look, I flat out guessed your email. I really wanted to get in touch with you, but but then you got to stick the landing, right? Then you have to have your follow through. You have to have a reason why you actually contact them. I went through the trouble of getting your information, mm-hmm. right? subversively or not uh and now but then you have to know how to land that delivery yeah you know i i remember one time that i I told them flat out you know e-grabber you know i go through linkedin i I have a bot that will will scrounge the internet and and get emails and i actually sold one I, i sold that platform and got a referral fee off of it because someone asked me you know how to get my name i told them he was like wow that's really cool and I sold them. I, I sold them that referral program. It was great. I made okay, like five hundred dollars. You would have intimate knowledge of this with CarrierList because you are giving out information mm-hmm. to people who often have to make these cold calls and these cold outreaches. So you know, maybe they're doing uh-huh. a little marketing play for you, and they go, "Oh, I got, I got it from CarrierList." Exactly right. <laughs> it's, it's a very good thing. You know, they're, they're calling carriers trying to get capacity. Had to get my name. Well, CarrierList. It's great advertising. Andrew Bound says, you know, that's a good opportunity to make them feel important when you're when you're doing that cold outreach mm-hmm. and they say, how do you get in, get your information? Say, look, I really need to contact you. So I had to go to I had to resort to using Zoom info or, or yeah. using your LinkedIn or doing a little bit of research. Build off of it. Don't don't shy away from it. Don't run away in fear. Yeah, I had to give you a call because you're a very important person in your organization. So I am giving you a call right now. It should make you feel good. Kevin, you we made got it to s- Zoom info. You're so important. You're on Zoom info. Well, look, a lot of people are doing cold outreaches because we were sent this. Uh, we were sent this survey by text now, and I think that you know this is one of those content marketing surveys where I, it seemed like they're also trying to sell us a, an additional phone line at the same well, time in this survey. Yeah. But there was some there was some fascinating information here. They said that of the people they polled, uh, it was only two thousand, so not a gigantic sample size, but decent enough. They said that more than a quarter of Americans, twenty eight percent of American adults under the age of forty five, have started a side hustle during the the pandemic and uh, for them the biggest concern was controlling cost does that surprise you at all it does surprise me in a very good way you know i'm very excited about this news because everyone should have a side hustle if you don't have a side hustle yet you should go out and get one and it seems like the covid one of the another positive that comes out of this out of 2020 which there's there's not many of them is that people are, are taking control of their their finances, you know, their financial freedom, taking control of their destiny. And I think it's a really good, encouraging sign that that 28% of people 45 and under, I think was 17% of all Americans created a side hustle. And, you know, they, some, some will be successful, most won't, but it's a great learning process. It sure is, you know, but then then here in comes. So I have a question for you, because here in comes the phone line pitch. They're saying that 55 percent of those with a side business or side hustle uh, think it's important to have a second phone. And I can tell you from experience, one time I worked for a sales job, right? I had my own personal cell phone and at a company issued phone that got so annoying. I literally duct taped the two iPhones together with like around the cases because I had it carrying with me all the time. I don't necessarily know if you need two phones, maybe two lines could work if you're doing some like call forwarding. What do you think on that? Because you also do carrier lists and you're, you're at freight waves. Do you have two, three, four phones, four lines? Yeah, I have two phones. I, I, I got a, another phone line for, for carrier list when I first started out. One of the, the, the it's not a huge mistake, but it, it's one of the, the mistakes that everyone who starts a side hustle or starts a business uh, 
experiences or it does, you know, you, you think you need two phones to separate business or separate your job maybe from your new business or your personal life or your new business. And all you have to do and, and what you end up with is exactly what you, you have to, you have to, you have to keep track of two phones and two phone lines. And it's, it's a nightmare. And I still pay Verizon $50 a month for this phone line that I hardly ever use. I have it forwarded to my other phone. My, you know, a little burner flip phone uh, for for carrierless that is in a drawer somewhere. It hasn't been charged in probably a year, and somehow I still pay fifty dollars a month to Verizon. I, I need to to actually go to go into a Verizon store and get pay as you go, or just get rid of the phone line. But then again, I'm sure there's somebody out there who might want to call me on that, that phone number. Wow. Yeah. Well, if I was going to call you on that phone number or if I wasn't on with you right now, I'd, I'd be making this announcement. Right. Should, should we just put it out there, Kevin? We should. All right. This Let's is going to this is uh, this is my last episode of Put That Coffee Down. Uh, it's been a wonderful ride with Kevin Hill, but um, I'm on vacation on the 16th of, on Wednesday of next week and I'll be out for the rest of the year. So I won't be here for those shows. Then starting the new year, we're adjusting the schedule. Put That Coffee Down. We'll still be there. It'll be as good as ever. Kevin Hill will be running the ship with, uh, I believe, maybe a bullpen of guest hosts. You're going to try some things out. Let us in. What's going to what's going to be happening? What does the future of Put That Coffee Down look like, Kevin Hill? Well, the future looks like this. I'm going to have a monthly co-host that, that'll come in uh, or remote, right? And we will co-host the show. We'll have the, the same quality guests coming in each and every week. Uh, but yeah, I'll rotate that out, maybe a little bit of a bullpen, and uh, we'll have guest co-hosts. And what, what exactly I'll be doing and why my bandwidth is kind of being taken away. Yeah. Tune into the Christmas special, the What the Truck holiday special, a very What the Truck holiday special, December 14th at noon Eastern time. We'll have an announcement about the future of that show as well. And uh, I'll let you a little inside on, um, on what I'll be doing next. But it's here with Freightways. Don't worry about that. I'm not, I'm not going out the door. We're just expanding in slightly different directions. Yeah, we're adding in new shows, new episodes. So it's like so it'll be an exciting time in 2021 for for all of us. For put that coffee down, for what the truck, for all the 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 lineup of shows that we have here on Freightwaves TV. You know, what's funny too is we've we've sort of talked about the origin story of this show before, but for a show that was just kind of an offhanded comment when one of us was walking by the other's desk, uh, this show's gone on for a long time and it's done well. It's going to continue to go on, but it's it's one of those things where if you're not familiar with the story, um, we had just had a meeting about expanding more content, more podcasts, more TV shows for Freightways, and um, I, I at the time I was doing the Port Report, I saw Kevin and I was like. I think that there's a real niche here for for you know incisive freight sales podcasting. No one's really covered that. And well, you know, I don't liken myself to be a sales guru. There's certain aspects of sales that I thought I could bring some color and enhancement to, along with your skills, and we figured they would complement each other well. And I, and I think they they have. It's been um it's it's been a fun ride. It's one of those things like w- the idea came up, and five days later we're already starting to to do the show. So let's do a couple of reflections really quick. Are, what, what episodes really stuck out to you? Well, on the, on the episodes, I, I think the whole concept of this show is, is one of uh, my, my proudest moments, that, that we got it off the ground so quickly because it was. It was just like a, a quick conversation, and then we had the, the format down, we had the title down, we had the graphics done, and you're posting it out on LinkedIn by that afternoon. And, you know, in this way, you should do a lot of things in life, just run with it and see what happens. Uh, but on the episodes, I, I think the um, – 
uh, what was it? The uh, we have it down here. The improv. That's that's yeah. it. That the improv was was one of the most interesting ones we 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 did, and it was one of the most surprising for me. Uh, and and it really works hand in hand with cells really well. But cold calling the objections of the early ones are, are great. Um, so there there's a lot of episodes that that are that were just fun to do. You, I was going to say with the improv one, though, you weren't paying that much attention because when I asked you earlier if you saw that Rakuten ad, you didn't give me a yes end. In fact, you said no. Oh, I did. I did, <laughs> didn't I? I? I did. So I, 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 I haven't learned my lessons on that. The Last Dance was another one. Oh, I, yeah. I, I love The Last Dance of so the episode we did on that. Oh, yeah. Lessons from the last dance. I mean, it was so I mean, just even the excuse to like watch the show again was worth doing doing mm -hmm. that. I was, you know, what's really stuck out to me, though, about doing this show is the community that we've been able to beat, uh, beat, build. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the community that we've been able to build. And, you know, that community has run off into other, you know, freight waves and to other shows outside of freight waves. And it's built this sort of really big, uh, cohesive um ecosystem right of logistics professionals mm -hmm. who prior to a lot of the content this year i think a lot of these shows came at, at, at the perfect time people were in lockdown they're spending more time on linkedin maybe they're starting side hustles maybe they were trying to do their own podcasting or their own social media messaging and to bring a lot of those people together especially at the start of all that i mean that is one of my um proudest accomplishments in doing this show yeah it, i agree with you 100 percent. We, we we've done quite a bit about selling with video Using video to, to do sales and in 2020, you know, everyone being at home, remote, getting used to the Zoom calls. I mean, I, I hope that a lot of the, the videos that we see out on LinkedIn and, and Twitter from freight salespeople, hopefully we were some of that encouragement uh, to, to go out and, and take those risks and take those steps and, and, and move forward. And Jason Eckert says, we'll miss Timothy Dooner, but we're confident Kevin Hill and his merry band will carry the church. Yeah, so am I, you know, and, and I think that the, the show's in a good enough spot, and I think you're in a good enough spot. And I, you know, I sort of feel like a lot of the, like, the cool shows that we did, the cool segments, the more mental health kind of things, like, that's the area, like, I really like to key in on this. I don't really mm -hmm. care as much about the nuts and bolts of sales, but I think that this show, to be a little bit more directly related to Freight, I think you can bring in some heavier hitters in that and really take this thing to the next level. I'm, I'm fully confident. But, you know, a couple other shows that I liked was, you remember we had Stan Duncan speaking uh, to mental yes. health? I mean, this is a year mm -hmm. where a lot of us were in isolation, not able to visit clients, not able to visit your coworkers, feeling like you're out on an island and being able to address some of some of that stuff and working at a place like like freight waves where they're pretty hands-off in our production if we have a great idea for a topic we can just run with it and to be able to speak to the community in that way and create i don't i don't like using the term safe space but a place for people to just share and be a little more comfortable and understand that it's okay to have those feelings of loss loneliness and uh and fear right our, our depression are completely fine yeah, I, and that's, that's one of the things I like about the show and, and like about what we did. It's not always nuts and bolts. It's about getting your mind right because once you have your mind right, you can go out and you can learn and accomplish all these different other things. And I don't think – neither of us are sales gurus. We don't have some system of sales. We're both, I, I think, student of sales, and I, I, hopefully that, that comes through on the show too, is that it's a learning process for us. We learn on every show, and a lot of times our topics are because – we want to learn more about it. We want to know about it. And we want to share that with the audience. 
Yeah, a perfect example of that was one of my favorite episodes, which was uh, the upping your social media selling and your social media game that we did with with Toby Joy Howell from The Morning Brew. He was just, you know, he was rocketing up the charts over there on Twitter. He was getting a lot of notice and he was putting mm-hmm. out some really great social media guides, things that we learned from. And I think the coolest thing about that was being able to reach out into the wild and grab someone like that, an up and comer like Toby, who's making a huge name for himself. And he can share with our audience and we can apply these things that, you know, these ideas and these concepts that work, I think sometimes we wall ourselves off in in freight. You know, when you look at freight marketing and it's just a truck moving down, everyone's got to have a truck moving down. When there's all these great yeah. ideas you can borrow and steal from outside of that. And, and Toby is a great advocate of that. And he's a great aggregate of aggregation, right? You know, we come across so mm-hmm. much information in our daily lives that I don't think there's any shame in the game of not necessarily being a original content creator, but more of a content curator. And I think there's, an S load of value in that. And that's why the morning brew has done so well. They've cracked that code with, um, with youngers, especially millennials, even if they didn't cover the S and P merger, like one or two people complained about. Yeah. Yeah. You can't cover everything. Right. Uh, I I, I don't know if their audience of millennials would have even been that receptive to, to that IHS uh, S and P merger. (laughs) It's a big merger, but you know, it's, it's, it's financial data. You know, it's not really that, that, sexy to, to the millennials out, out there uh, wanting to know more about retail and, and, and things like that. I, 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 yeah, you know, we're kind of behind in, in freight sales. You know, there, there's a lot of other people doing really great marketing out there. And that's the reason why you have to go out, see what everyone else is doing and copy that because that's, that's part of business and sales. You, you find what's working and you go copy that. And, you, you don't want to have to, to reinvent the wheel every time you want to do something. So, yeah, Toby's doing something awesome over at Morning Brew with, with everyone else. Go imitate them. Go imitate them. Take what they're doing right. Transfer that to freight and run with it and see if it works for you. What did you think about the wolf? We had the wolf at, at one of our virtual events this summer, the wolf of mm-hmm. Wall Street. The last time we'd seen him, he was on the big stage in Chicago at Freight Waves Live. Then we had him uh, We had him right on the show. It was. Um, I didn't think I'd be talking to the wolf, but there he was. How did you feel about it? Oh, it was, it was great. You know, I mean, I've I, I, I read his books and, and watched some of his videos on YouTube, some of his podcasts uh, whenever I was you know, starting carrier lists and, and getting into to online sales. So it was, it was, it was great to, to be able to, to sit down and ask him a few questions and, and get his insights and, and, you know, the, the similarities between freight and, and stockbrokers and, and kind of that sell cycle it was, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was wild. And I think we even got a, a Trey Griggs rap out of it too. We did. Yes. Yes. I, I, I let him down on the beatbox. I, I didn't have a beatbox. You let me down that, on the beatbox. <laughs> I was sitting there. You left me hanging. If I, if I knew I had to give Trey Griggs a beat, I would have, I would have uh, been up all night thinking about one. Oh, and tell you the truth. I wasn't even quite sure what a beatbox was until, until that episode. Well, Kevin, let me, let me ask I'm you something. I mean, other, other than learning what a beatbox is, what have you learned from the show so far and what do you hope to learn and what do you hope to spread from this show as it moves forward into 2021? You know, one of the, the, the neat things I've learned about doing this show is there's a lot of people out there in freight sales doing really awesome things. And we get a chance to, to get them on the show and talk to them. Uh, I, I remember the, the episode using videos to, to do sales and Tyler Hildebrandt. Who, who who makes those shorts, you know, 90, 90 second, two minute long kind of mini, mini shows or mini movies 
to to get into uh, to to get into shippers, you know, and, and to to really stand out and, and apart from them. And there's there's a lot of other people that have really great ideas, great techniques, great uh, just just great experience, and we get to talk to them and 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 learn from them. Do you think sales for the sales profession moving into 2021 is going to be all that different than it was in 2020? You know, it's not going to be all that different. It's going to be new technologies. I think a lot of people will be using Zoom, using, um, you know, virtual type of tools to close deals without having to go and and take the time and the expense to go out and travel. But I think uh, the, the core fundamentals of how you sell, how you get prospects to buy, that's not really going to change. It's, 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 it's all the same thing. And, and we, we have a great guest coming up here in a few minutes that uh, is going back to the fundamentals using subtle, subtle words that, that sell. Yeah, and right before we bring that guest on, I'd just like to thank you, the audience, for joining me on this journey for this many episodes to put that coffee down. And I am very excited to see where Kevin Hill is going to take it next. Kevin, I think our next guest is ready. So would you like to do the honors and introduce him? Uh, yeah, it definitely would. It's uh, Paul Ross, and he's the author of Subtle Words That Sell. Hey, Paul, thank you for joining us on Put That Coffee Down. Hello, hello, hello. Can you see me? We can. Yeah, you look you look wonderful. Oh, thank you very much. So before <laughs> we begin this journey together of exploring the, wor- the world of subconscious influence, I just want to say that it's my honor to be here today. I've been listening to your show as I've been waiting to come on, and you guys are bringing up some very interesting points about mindset and it's just been a real honor to be here today. We appreciate that. You know what? And I was reading, I was on your LinkedIn, right? And not everyone may know this about you, but you used to be a dating coach and you told the story about how that's all about mindset. Can you share that with the audience? Yeah, sure. So my former background in another lifetime is that I was a dating coach. And what I noticed is I, I you have to understand, I dealt with some of the most challenged people in the world. These were 30, 40, even 50 year old guys who've never had a date or even kissed a woman in their whole life. And they came to me with a tremendous amount of shame, a tremendous amount of self-doubt, resentment, that sort of thing. And about 10 years into my 30-year career, I, I recognized something. I thought, you know, the real problem with these people is they're seeing their potential through the pain of their past. And it occurred to me, I'm both a hypnotist and a master change worker. My discipline is neurolinguistic programming, which very briefly is the study of how language structures consciousness, shapes decisions, drives behavior. And I recognize if you really want to make a profound change for people, the profound change isn't, well, I fix one thing in my business. The profound change comes when you're no longer looking through your patterns, but you're looking at them. And that skill set, the ability to see where you're going wrong without assigning shame or self-doubt or blame to it, and without being hypnotized back into your mistakes so you can really extract maximum learning, that's a really important skill, but it's not taught. And if I can unpack that just for a second, have you ever heard the advice, just learn from every experience? Sure. Yes. Does anyone give you an exact, precise process of how to do that? Not really. That's sort of up to you, right? (laughs) So that's to me, the the metaphor I would use is let's say your car is broken down in the desert and your cell phone battery is about to die. You get through to a mechanic. You describe to the mechanic the problem. He says, oh, you just need to fix the engine by click. And he doesn't tell you how to do it. So one of the distinctions between me, one of the unique 
claims that I have is that I do teach that section. There are lots of great sales courses out there, many great sales trainings. And if you have, <clears throat> excuse me, if you have a sales process that works for you, my methodology is not designed to replace it. It's designed to enhance it. And one of the big enhancements is, and this is something that every other sales training is lacking, is how to learn from your mistakes rapidly, naturally, easily. So there's no self-blame. There's no self-doubt. There's no fighting yourself. And you can move up the learning curve because let's face it, in business, there's a learning curve and learning efficiently is a skill set that's not taught. We're told to do it, but we're not told how to do it. And that always drove me crazy. So the big breakthrough, closing the loop here, the big breakthrough for these guys is when I taught them how to compassionately look at what they were doing and how to shift that behavior. And that's when I started to make real breakthroughs. And Paul, as part of that process, I was reading your book uh, this past week, is one of, the, one of the pieces of that process, more ownership, more, you know, my, instead of objectivity, yeah. Yeah. taking ownership of everything you do? Yeah, let's talk about that. So I'm going to do give a bonus because I, I like you guys and I like the cool background, the screensaver of the, of the <laughs> running every, everywhere. I normally just do this to my private clients, but let me give a bonus. Let me give you three words that you can use to destroy any limiting negative belief. So if your negative belief is, I can't be disciplined with my business or I can't close the big money accounts, use these three words, up until now. Up until now, my experience has been I didn't close the big money accounts. Or up until now, my experience has been that I wasn't disciplined. When you use those three words, up until now, you take the problem you acknowledge to your unconscious mind that, yes, you had the problem, but you put it squarely in the past. And then the next little bit is you don't want to say, I want my discipline. You say, I claim my discipline. What's the difference between wanting and claiming? There's a uh, big difference. <laughs> well, and with claiming, you're taking. With <laughs> wanting, you're longing. Yes. By the way, I can no longer see you. I just see myself. Okay. You're still there. So, trust me. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, you're here. All right. It's like I'm talking to myself, which is something I do fairly frequently anyway. So the difference is when you go to the – when you give your car to the valet, do they give you a want check? No, they give you a claim check. So claim implies ownership. So when you go to make your positive affirmations, don't say I want or even I am. Say, I claim my skill set for my – ability to successfully reach and close my big money clients. My, mine, claim, these are what I call ownership words, what I call ownership language. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. So how do you apply yes, that? How do you apply that in, in, in sales? Where do reps go wrong when trying to apply this language to themselves, that impassiveness of wanting? I think too often when we set goals, Again, we distance ourselves from the goal. When we say, I want to make $100 million this year in sales, or I'm going to be a fantastic salesperson, those words distance ourselves from the reality of the goal. No, you don't say, I want success, or I'm going to be successful. You say, I claim my success. Now, if you really want to make it powerful, I joyfully claim my success. 
I joyfully claim my success for my financial freedom. I joyfully claim my success for my wonderful financial freedom. When you add in the ownership language, my mind claim, and you add in adverbs, joyfully, powerfully, naturally, easily, it makes it even more powerful. Does that make sense? Yes, makes perfect sense. And and another thing that, that sales reps mostly get wrong is thinking of what they, they sell. And and you explain, and, and, and please yeah. give us your thoughts well, on this. You're not really selling your products and services. What are you really selling, Paul? You're always selling decisions and good feelings about decisions. See, your product and service, unless you've created artificial gravity or fusion at room temperatures or wireless transmission of power, essentially what you're selling is a commodity. You may have some unique ways you deliver it or some unique aspects, but essentially you're selling a commodity. When you sell a commodity, you're competing on price or terms of delivery, and that is a race to the bottom. So what you're really selling are decisions and good feelings about decisions. At some point, your prospect has to sell themselves on the decision. That's why the subtitle of my book is How to Get Your Prospects to Convince Themselves to Buy and add top dollars to your bottom line. Now, here's the thing. Prospects nowadays, whether it's business to business or business to consumer, don't make decisions the way they used to. Forget about COVID just for a second. I know that's a big statement. People nowadays are overwhelmed. They have too many options. They have the attention span of goldfish. So that art form of guiding them, of selling them on the decision to continue the relationship with you, to buy from you, has to be done at the unconscious level, the subconscious level. I use those words interchangeably because I'm a hypnotist. But fundamentally, here's what we know about the human mind. About 15% of our processing, our thinking, is done on the conscious level. About 75 to 85% is done unconsciously. Allow yourself to picture an iceberg. Most of that iceberg is below the surface. So if you try to sell, <clears throat> excuse me, through facts, data, figures, numbers, that's important. But first, you want to capture and lead the, excuse me, I thought I'd turn this nonsense off. You have to capture and lead the imagination and the emotions of your client. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know what? In terms of like internal monologue, right? I mean, so much of our so much of our day, so much of our decision making is that internal monologuing and the filters of your personality and risk assessment and should I or shouldn't I? But a lot of that is stuff that you've kind of programmed yourself with over time that can lead you to some poor decisions. How do you how do you fix that internal monologue, especially so it isn't negative and shooting you down? The first thing you have to do is be aware of it because oftentimes it's it's operating so automatically and on autopilot, you're not even aware that you're immersed in it. You know, when I was a kid, my father worked three jobs to feed the family. I would only see him very rarely when he came home middle of the night from his third job. I would actually stay up late at night and wait for it, wait for him. And I said to him one night, Daddy, do the fish know that they're in the water? And he said, no, Paul, because they live in it, so they can't see it. And so with this internal dialogue and all the rest of it, the first thing we know we learn need to learn to do is to become a compassionate witness, is to cultivate that part of our mind that can look at that stuff without gluing it back to ourselves. 
that requires a meditation practice. If you look at the most successful business people, Richard Branson, all of the top names, if, if you ask them what's the one of the number one things you've done to ensure your success, they'll all say, I meditate. So one of the things I teach in the book is just a brief little meditation practice. You don't have to sit on a cushion or go to the top of the Himalayas. It's just a mindfulness practice where you bring your attention to your breath and to the sounds around you. And through that practice, you actually develop clarity, compassion, and courage. Compassion for yourself gives you the courage to see things with clarity. So it's compassion, courage, and clarity. These things are not taught. The idea that cultivating compassion, courage, and clarity in looking at your own patterns of behavior, again, is not taught. And again, what I want to say is it's not that the sales systems out there are bad. There are really good ones out there. It's just that they're incomplete. And so because I had to come from the outside of this as a dating coach working with very damaged people, I had to come up with some unique tools. I just mapped them over into the world of selling. Yeah, there's a, I, I think the most successful people that, that we all know are, are very self-aware. They, they kind of know themselves. So they're, they're deep thinkers, uh, which, is, which is always good. We, we talk about this quite a bit on the show is that people don't buy on facts and figures and ROI, logic. Let, let's just say logic, right? That people don't buy on logic. People buy on impulse or their beliefs, and then they rationalize and justify that later with logic. Is that something that, um, I, that you I, see? I think that's correct. It's it's not wrong. It's incomplete. I think in any kind of sale, if you want to be really good and really effective, you have to know when to give the facts, data, figures, logic, and then when to capture and lead the imagination and the emotions. A good sale has both. It has the emotional element and the storytelling, and it has the facts, data, and figures. The problem that most salespeople encounter, the skills deficit, is they're really good at the facts, figures, and data. They're not so good at the storytelling, and they're not so good at ex as exciting the imagination, the emotions, and the unconscious mind of the person who they're, who they're influencing. Or they do one, it's sort of like a recipe. Imagine you're baking a chocolate cake. For a good recipe, you need to have the right ingredients, you need to have the right proportion of ingredients, and you have to use them at the proper time. If you're making a cake, you don't crack in, you don't put everything in the oven at, for 450 degrees for 30 minutes and then crack in the eggs. So you have to have the right recipe, the right ingredients, the right proportions in the right order. Yeah, you know, we started this show talking about those Rakuten ads, right? They're using Rocket Man. It doesn't say what Rakuten does, right? Nor do insurance ads, but it gives you like a positive feeling. Now you say the name Rakuten, you're like, oh yeah, I like that. It warms up the lead. We are so emotionally driven, much more than we think about. But when it comes to, especially in our side of the industry, freight marketing, it's feature, 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 stuff that does not excite emotions at all. How do, how do salespeople better excite the emotions, especially on cold calls and when they're dealing with cold leads, when they just don't have that much to go off of? Well, let's hold on. Let's watch our language. That metaphor of a cold call is really going to F you up. Instead of thinking of it as a cold call, I know this may sound like semantics, but semantics are powerful. Instead of a cold call, how about an opportunity outreach? When you do a cold call, what does it imply? It implies that the other person is going to be cold or unreceptive or even nasty to you. 
And it implies that, <clears throat> excuse me, it's sort of like you're begging for change. Like they have something that you have to get. If you frame it in your mind as an opportunity outreach, then it completely changes the entire frame and the meaning of the activity. So language is really, really powerful. Now, there's some unique ways to get attention from people very quickly on an opportunity outreach. I have a client, I train clients from all sorts of different disciplines. I have a client, he's my favorite current client, one of my favorite clients of all time. His name is Fabian. He is a mortgage loan officer for a big company that I won't mention, but it's the second largest company in the United States when it comes to doing mortgage loans. And we came up with this one, and it's what's known as a pattern interrupt. Usually, when you do a, a, quote, cold call in the mortgage industry, you say, hi, this is Fabian. I'm from blank company. I'm just reaching out today to tell you here are the rates for blah, 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 blah. And we came up with a pattern interrupt. And it goes, ring, ring. They answer the phone. The guy says, hey, it's Fabian. I'm just wondering if you've given up on getting the best possible rate for your mortgage, which is a complete pattern interrupt. They're not expecting that at all. So we want to use a principle in hypnosis called the pattern interrupt. With the pattern interrupt, we take someone's expected expected response. We take their expected communication and we break it and we do something different. And when you interrupt someone's pattern, you see people are pattern making machines. People respond with predictable patterns of thought, behavior, and feeling. If you know how to interrupt that, you create a window, a temporary window of suggestibility. So we came up with a pattern interrupt, and that really improved his ability to, quote, cold call and close his cold calls. Let's talk a little bit more about pattern interrupt and, and on further down in the cell cycle. Uh, we were talking about, you know, the logic, the, the features, and then the imagination, you know, how to... I think another point of this is how do you position yourself in cells as a value giver and, and dominate that position with pattern interrupts and, and belief systems? Here's an example I would get, I give for real estate brokers. And again, I'm a generalist. I train people from all, all sorts of industries. So in, in real estate, Typically, when you're going to get the listing for a house, someone will say, well, why should I list with you? Now, the ex their expectation is you're going to respond by saying, well, here's my experience. Here's the marketing plan. I've sold these many homes. And I teach my clients to say something like, well, Mr. Smith, I wouldn't want you to find yourself doing that any faster than you recognize that's a good decision that you can make. Now, that's a complete little bit of odd hypnotic language it essentially says that you're going to find your own reasons to do it so again we interrupt the pattern by giving a response that's not expected that is completely different from what the other person is expecting us to do and pattern interrupts are actually most useful when it comes to destroying objections this is what i really love to teach this is my favorite part of doing all of this for example Let's say someone gives the objection, I need more time to think it over. Everyone has heard that. Have you guys heard this objection in doing sales? Sure. Thinking over all, all the time. Okay. I'm going to give you, here's another bonus. This is a $50,000 bonus I'm going to give you. Here's my response. So play along with me. Give me that objection. I need more time to think it over. Just give me that word for word. Uh, not right now. I need more time to think it over. 
I understand. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever taken a long time to make a decision and it still turned out to be the wrong thing to do? Maybe it's not about time, but about the clarity you need to recognize. You really can move forward today. So keeping that in mind, what do we need to clear up so you can recognize it is time to move ahead? Mm -hmm. You see how that takes the objection. It gives them what I call objection amnesia. It just wipes it off the table. And usually I need more time. It's not true. It's it's the, the prospect or client doesn't want to admit that they're confused or they don't want to admit that they have fear around it because that's embarrassing. No one wants to say, I don't understand because they don't want to look stupid. So this is a way of letting them save face, but eliminating the objection completely. It's very, very clever. Now, I have a question for you, and you got me curious now, because if people are not familiar with, with hypnosis, they may have sort of this hokey, you know, you're getting sleepy as you, as you move a medallion back and forth. Um, how exactly does this hypnosis work, though? What does real hypnosis look like? Oh, boy. Now, this I can go on forever. I've been doing this for 30, <laughs> going on 33 years, if you can believe that. First of all, this whole thing of looking to watch and you're going to sleep, that's the old model of hypnosis. Around 1930, 1940, a man came along by the name of Dr. Milton Erickson. And Erickson, in, in my view, was to hypnosis what Mozart was to music or what more, more appropriately of Erickson, Einstein was to physics. He completely made hypnosis about conversational hypnosis. He knew how to use what seemed like an ordinary, innocent conversation to drop in commands and suggestions. He knew how to tell stories and use metaphors. So the person would go into trance without even going to sleep. They would keep their eyes wide open, and he would just be communicating to their unconscious mind. So hypnosis is a state of focus, a state of suggestibility. And a state of having new abilities to make new neural connections so you can find yourself engaging in patterns and behaviors and beliefs that you never knew you could. To use a metaphor, hypnotic selling is not about getting your ideas into your prospect's mind. It's about expanding their mind to include your ideas. So for those of you who are concerned about manipulation, that would be the case if it was just about getting your ideas in the other person's mind. But expanding their mind to include your ideas and the possibilities you're presenting to them is actually a heroic thing to do because here's the thing. Don't assume that people know what's best for them. People are stuck in what they're used to. When you can move them out of that little narrow view of what they can enjoy and expand their mind to include that, yes, I can prosper in my business. Yes, I can afford this house. Yes, it is a good decision to move forward by buying this equipment or signing this contract. When you can do that, you're doing something heroic. Expanding someone's mind to include new beliefs and new possibilities is not just a small change. It's a generative change because it will spread out to every area of the, their life. And it, in a sense, you are a worker of change. You are a hunger of change and extension and possibility when you do sales from the unconscious level. Because you're getting people past their autopilot pre-programmed responses that are coming from fear, from limitation, from not believing in their sense of possibility, capability, deservingness, 
there are different logical levels of belief. There's beliefs about your skill, beliefs about your possibility, beliefs about your deservingness, beliefs about your identity. You can positively change all of that when you do sales in a proper way. And it will, over time, spread out and sort of trickle down throughout all of the areas of life. It's a heroic and beautiful thing to do when you do sales on this level. So, so Paul, let's talk a little bit about techniques of doing sales on that level and from your book, Commands and Suggestions, those subtle words that sell. Uh, can you explain that to our audience? Sure. So commands and suggestions simply direct a person to think something, to feel something, or to do something. And they do it in a very clever way that implies the action. So I would never say directly, Mr. Smith, in a moment, you're going to make a really good decision and you're going to dis you're going to sign this contract and you're going to be happy that you did. Why would I not? Why wouldn't I say it directly like that? Because Mr. Smith is probably going to give me the finger or kick me where it, kick me where it doesn't count. So I'm about to use some language to your viewers that's unfamiliar. But the fact that it's unfamiliar is only a sign that there's a great opportunity to learn and move beyond what you're used to doing. Instead, I would say, you know, Mr. Smith, as we're moving forward today, I don't know all the ways you might stop and find yourself wanting to move ahead with me. But as that's taking place, I only want that to happen because you can see this feels good and natural and right. Now, I'm giving all sorts of suggestions in that, in that pattern that seems so strange at first. One of the things I'm saying is, Mr. Smith, I don't know all the ways. Now, when you say all the ways, what does that imply? It implies there's going to be many ways that Mr. Smith is going to find reasons to want to do it. Mr. Smith, as we're sharing this today, I don't know all the ways you might stop and find yourself moving ahead today. Find yourself is what I call a transphrase. So let's back up again. Did you ever just find yourself reaching for the refrigerator? I'm... I'm Putting this question to both of you. Sure. Absolutely. And Especially yeah. after Thanksgiving. Yeah. And you didn't even remember <laughs> walking over or thinking, what am I looking for? You just suddenly you went, oh, here I am with the door open. What am I doing with my head? Did you ever just find yourself falling in love? Sure. Yeah. You ever just find yourself falling out of love and thinking, what the heck was I thinking? You ever just find yourself driving yeah. down the street in your car and suddenly 10 miles has passed and you don't even remember doing the drive. So finding yourself doing to find yourself doing something means you're it's happening on the unconscious level. There's no need to participate and there's no possibility of resistance. So by dropping in these suggestions, I understand as you're watching this, this is probably confusion and beyond your understanding. This is why I invite you to find yourself going to Amazon and picking up a copy of the book where it unpacks this and explains it in detail and in context. But do you understand a little bit about how this could work? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It's kind of being, and you go go into it in your book as well, being a little bit vague so your, your prospect will fill in those blanks. Right. Is that so, kind of goes hand in hand right. with what you just said? Yes. So when I say Mr. Smith, I don't know all the ways you might find yourself moving ahead today. Did I say how he's going to find himself moving ahead today or why? I'm not specific. I didn't say Mr. Smith because I'll be showing you the unique features of my product and you're going to like A and B and C. 
I didn't say that because it's too specific. What if Mr. Smith likes C but doesn't like A and B? What if Mr. Smith has entirely different reasons to buy? Maybe it's because he wants to please his wife or his wife is pressuring him to make a bigger deal this month. Do you understand? We don't know, so we leave it to their imagination because here's a rule of persuasion. Whatever you can get your prospect to imagine for themselves will be perceived by them as being their own thought, and therefore they will not resist it. And one of the big ways to do that is to be vague, to just let them fill in the blanks with their own imagination. If you're too specific, if you call and you say, this is so-and-so with so-and-so freight company, I've got an amazing potential for you. It's got these features. It's got these features, feature one, feature two, feature three. I think you're really going to like this feature. First of all, you got no rapport. But second, well, so what? Uh, you, I don't necessarily want those things. So we have to do question-based selling too. We have to find out what our prospects' needs are. But even then, what if our prospect doesn't feel like telling us? You can't assume that you earn the right to get the truth from your prospect. I'll say it again. I believe in question-based selling, but the problem with question-based selling, it makes an assumption that may not be true. It makes the assumption that you've earned the right to hear the truth from your prospect or that your prospect even knows what their needs are. They may not. That's why using suggestion as a way of preparing them to tell you those things and to get in touch with their own truth is really powerful. Again, here's the thing. The idea that selling is about helping the prospect get in touch with their own truth, that again is a reason why selling is heroic activity. As you're listening to me today, I don't know all the ways you can get excited as you naturally recognize selling is a heroic activity because you are expanding someone's consciousness. You are expanding their sense of possibility and capability and you're helping them get in touch with their own truth. What could be more heroic and giving and of service than that? I got to ask you something, Paul. Something has, I got to interrupt the pattern here for a second, but something's been uh, <laughs> getting my curiosity. What is that newspaper clipping hanging on your wall behind you? That is from a Dutch newspaper called Vrouw. It's a section of the Dutch newspaper. The paper is called The Telegraph, I think. And that's from Vrouw. That's Tom Cruise. Can you uh -huh. recognize Tom Cruise? Tom no, Cruise. So, people in the comments were saying that. Uh, Emily Zink was like, is that Tom Cruise on his wall? Tom Cruise <laughs> played a very exaggerated version of my dating coach persona in the movie Magnolia. Oh. Uh, so, so if you ever saw the movie Magnolia. Wait, how exaggerated? How exaggerated? <laughs> uh, significantly exaggerated. Okay. But the character on my old dating coach persona. Uh, and uh, <laughs> because Paul Thomas Anderson, who wrote and directed the movie in an interview, they asked him, where did you get the Tom Cruise character, Frank T.J. Mack? And he said, oh, I studied this guy. I used to go under a different name. Uh, for those of you who want dating coaching, I don't know if I should mention this because it could offend your – I'm turning red. Am I turning red? <laughs> Fire away. <laughs> go, go for it if you got a good quote. Oh, oh, well, no, 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 no. Okay. My, my, uh, I, I don't think I want to go there. I'm, I'm doing my best to rebrand and differentiate <laughs> myself. From, from if people have seen the movie, they'll know what you're talking about. Well, if Google, uh, Google Paul Thomas Anderson and Tom Cruise character, and you'll, 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 you'll find out. You, you ever see the <laughs> raining frogs? <laughs> yeah. 
I'm at the dead. end of Magnolia, it doesn't start raining frogs, right? No, well, he grabbed that because uh, Paul Thomas Anderson was a, is a fan of Charles Fort. Charles Fort wrote a book called Book of the Damned. He was sort of the X-Files of his day back in the 30s and 40s. And he cataloged things like that, like frogs raining from the sky and spontaneous human combustion and mysterious disappearances, UFOs, that sort of thing, all of which fascinate me. Interesting. Well, Paul, it's been a wonderful time with you. I know you've mentioned your book. Where do we send our listeners and our viewers to go get a copy, uh, especially this holiday season? Seems like a great stocking stuffer. Amazon. Just go to Amazon. If you see, um, if you go to, there's a free gift at the website. I can't, I, this is reversed. Destroyobjections.com. <laughs> if you go to destroyobjections.com right now, you don't have to wait to get the book. It has a training on exactly how to do that favorite part of it, how to use this subtle suggestive language to destroy objections. Here comes my cat. Actually, secretly, she's been annoying me the whole broadcast, but I keep her off screen. <laughs> what Say is your cat's Neca. name? Her name is Neca. She's still a kitten. Oh, well, Neca, thank you for joining us. We've actually done an episode in here where we showed off all of the pets in our community and coworkers. Because everyone's been working at home, stuck with contending with their pets, trying to uh, step on their keys. And <laughs> she's my supervisor. And it's claws that she gets to interrupt and even disconnect conversation she's destroyed uh interviews i have with you have to open a significantly big checkbook to work with me uh speaking of which if you want to apply to have me consult with you the consult is free you can go to speaker paul ross forward slash apply speaker paul ross forward slash apply i like to say i'm the most expensive coach you'll ever be glad you hired and uh, you have to open a significantly big checkbook to do that but the consult is free so go to amazon to grab my book and if you want to talk to me, go to speaker Paul Ross forward slash apply. Well, thank you for your time today, Paul. You yeah. and your cat have a happy holidays. We appreciate it. Thank you. I really appreciate yes. this. And uh, anytime I have a chance to teach, it, it starts my day in a beautiful way. Everybody stay safe. Have a blessed holiday. And remember, selling's a heroic thing. It, you probably never thought of yourself as a hero before. But when you expand consciousness and people's sense of possibility, their ability to discover their own truth. You really are doing a heroic thing. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, Paul. And uh, we'll be giving away a copy of your book here just in a couple couple seconds. Oh, fantastic. We've got a couple comments in here, Kevin. Rhonda says, uh, by studying the psychology of human behaviors teaches, uh, we need to learn how to change our, change minds, including our own. Just some people see this kind of, this kind of sales talk as, as fluffy, but it really resonates with her. And uh, I think it does with me as well, because I, I remember being in sales and there, there's just so much mental pressure. There's so many mental inhibit inhibitors that to not sort of, because I mean, look at a lot of sales advice, a lot of sales advice is kind of generic because they're fundamentals, right? Like, yeah, mm -hmm. you should have a lead I mean, list. You, you, yeah, you should make your calls. Yeah, you should do this. Mm -hmm. But how do you accomplish that? Exactly right. It's all about persuasion. At the end of the day, you don't get paid until someone buys. So it's all about changing someone's uh, frame of mind. And exactly what Paul was saying there. There's different techniques to do that. But at the end of the day, sales is about persuading someone to, to, to expand their mind or make a decision. So you have to have tools in your toolbox to do that. 
Chris Seeds, he says, uh, what not to miss with Chris? No one cares about features and benefits. Pattern interruption allows for you to differentiate. Pattern interrupts also allows for industry-specific questionings when exploring a niche market. You know, just one aside, mm-hmm. though, on our guest. I may take sales advice, but I wouldn't take baking advice from him. He said to bake a cake at 450. I'll tell you what, that's not going to make a very good cake, Kevin Hill. Well, is that too too hot for a cake? That is too hot for a cake. You got to go like 350, right? Know. Yeah. 350? Yeah, you don't get in the kitchen no too often my over there. No cakes are horrible. No, I, I really <laughs> How do you know that fish don't know they're in water? He's got that hypnosis technique. I, I know. I mean, I, I guess fish don't know they're in water. They're, they're, they don't know what it's like to be on land, maybe. Unless you're unlucky and you get a hook set and, and get taken up to a boat or, or on a fishing fishing hook. Now, he brought up something uh, interesting, I, and yeah. he was talking about the, the hypnosis and the suggestion versus outright manipulation. Where do you think the line uh-huh. is between those two? I know he kind of, like, qualified it, but then you put it in the hands of a bunch of other wizards. Where do you think that line would fall for you? Between persuasion and manipulation? Yeah, or the hypnosis is persuasion that, uh, or the suggestive persuasion he was talking about. You know, I, I think manipulation is, is more about uh, having your own, you know, to manipulating someone to, for your own benefit exclusively, where persuasion is is helping someone out. If that's the answer to your question, I'm not quite sure even what you're asking. Uh, if you were listening to our guest who was just on, Kevin Hill, he mentioned that he's talking about the power suggestion through hypnosis and the differentiation uh-huh. between that because you're expanding their mind versus um, manipulation, yeah. which may in fact be doing the opposite, closing someone's mind to force them to a conclusion. Uh, yeah, where's the line at that? Is that yeah. is that what you're asking me? Maybe about? you don't have one, Kevin. Uh, so, oh, I mean, I mean, I, you just described the line, right? Okay. As long as it's a win-win, you know, that, that's persuasion. If it's a, a win-lose, that is uh, manipulation. Kevin, let's give the book away. Let's that give the book sense. away. You guys know the book. He showed us the book. Yeah. Uh, it was our guest today, speaker Paul Ross. His book is going to give you all these mental tricks. And our winner today is it, number 84, and that is none other. Oh, it's Andy Hedrick. Hey, Andy. Very good. Yeah, I'll send you subtle words that sell, how to get your prospects to convince themselves to buy and add top dollars to your bottom line. Yeah, I'll excellent stuff. Mouth for, for Andy, send it over to him. Andy Hedrick, yeah, he's he's the big winner now. Kevin Hill, so you said you're coming back from uh, from California. What next week? Yeah, yeah, I'm flying back Sunday, so I'll be back in the studio next week, and uh, we'll we'll have a new co-host. It's a surprise. All right, it'll be a surprise. So tune in <laughs> next week to, to see who my co-host is. Check it out and be sure not to miss. Well, don't miss What the Truck this Friday at noon and Monday. It's usual time. But this coming Monday is a very What the Truck holiday special. Kevin Hill, you hang out after the show because you have to record a very special holiday message from that. It's going to be a What the Truck like none other, like you've never experienced before. We are going to pour cheer all over the floor. We're going to freeze it down and you're going to ice skate all around What the Truck ice skating rink. You can find this show on podcast players everywhere. Just like I put that coffee down. You can watch our ugly mugs on the Freightways TV app. You can watch on your Roku, your Amazon, your Apple TV, all that. So if you can connect with myself at Timothy Dooner, that is D-O-O-N-E-R on the Twitter or on LinkedIn. You can find Kevin Hill CL on Twitter. Connect with them there as well. Kevin, send us out, man. What's, what's up for the rest of your day? A little golf? Uh, maybe a little golf a little bit later. I'm going to record another Put That Coffee Down audio-only podcast later today. So.